0: The voice of reason, the voice of alarm, the voice of stats, the voice of scouts, the voice of Kool-Aid, the voice of dismay, the voice of Davo. Well, we start off with some good news today after that drumming this weekend in Cleveland. It's over. It's Devo and I'm glad you are along for another edition of Your Dish on Clubhouse Conversation. And, yes, what an extremely disappointing weekend it was in Cleveland, especially coming off of a very nice two out of three over the Colorado Rockies. Heck, you can take it one step further, though, of course. It's been a massively disappointing month of August, especially after you go out and improve your club and picking up Milky Cabrera, picking up Trevor Cahill, Ryan Buchter, Brandon Maurer. You really thought you shored up your bullpen, which had been so good in July. Your starting rotation was starting to come into its own, especially with Danny Duffy coming back. And boy, do those days seem like they were so long ago. Remember how excited we were? I mean, there was a part of us saying, well, should we really be going in? But of course we should. At that time, the Royals were a game and a half out of the AL Central when they went and improved their ball club. So don't be one of those people now saying, oh, they should have They should have sold or stayed put. That was stupid adding. Yeah. Come on. At that time, the Royals were, I think, what, a half game in the wild card and a game and a half behind Cleveland, I'm pretty sure, is what the numbers were at the point of the trade deadline. Did a nice job, but it just hasn't worked out. And Casey's combined swept this weekend by a mark of 20 to nothing. 20 to nothing the Royals lost in these three games over the weekend. And they faced Corey Kluber, though, right? Nope. But they faced Danny Salazar, right? Nope. Well, Trevor Bauer's decent. They faced him, right? Nope. (laughs) Oh, Ryan Merritt is one of the three starting pitchers against you during this combined shutout this weekend. Mike Clevenger, another one. And Carlos Carrasco is is a very good number three starter. But, I mean, come on. When that's the best you've seen this weekend, no Andrew Miller in the back of the pen. Not that Cleveland needed any sort of good relief help on this series, but... Man, the Royals set a franchise record. I'm sure this is old news for you. But 33 scoreless innings in a row now by the offense. Can you even remember the last run? I'll give you about 10 seconds to think back in your head. When was the last run scored by the Royals? And who was the one that drove in that run? Give you about five more seconds here. 33 scoreless innings in a row. A franchise record. All right, your time's up. The last run the Royals scored was on a Brandon Moss solo home run against the Rockies way back in that second inning of the Thursday afternoon game when the Royals went ahead 2 to nothing. right? Remember that one? You're ahead 2 nothing, and you're thinking, wow, we're in good shape now, right? Yeah, had Jake Jonas throwing a good game, and, of course, as things turned out, Mike Miner ended up blowing that one in the eighth inning, and the Royals ended up with a heartbreaking loss, and they haven't scored since then. So where do we set out right now? The Royals are at sixty four and sixty five, a game under five hundred, which is fine if you're a rebuilding ball club in year two or three of the rebuild. You're excited about that, but with the Royals having a, a team record payroll again, you know the story with you know a good four or five of the six guys who are up for free agency this winter being gone. I'm talking about your Canes and Moustakis and Hosmer and Vargas and Escobar and on and on. I mean. You expected more than 64 and 65, right? There's 33 games left. That's the good news is there's still time for one last magical run. But you're to the point now where there's no more, okay, well, we still have plenty of time. You don't. You have 33 games left. The way I figure it, you're going to have to win at least 20 to make the postseason. 20 and 13 puts you at 84 wins. 84 and 78, I'd say 84 or 85 should get the second wild card. Because you look at the other teams the Royals are competing with. They all have warts. The Minnesota Twins, who are now two and a half ahead of the Royals, the good news is the Royals still have seven games with them, so time to make that up. But the Twins are throwing Bartolo Colon every five days. Not that the Royals can talk at this point when you're throwing Eric Skoglund and Onelke Garcia out there, but I digress. But the Twins have plenty of warts themselves, right? And they're not battle-tested. This is not a postseason experience team like the Royals are. So the Royals do have that going. It's a veteran ball club with a lot of postseason experience. You look at the Angels, yeah, a pretty underrated offense, actually. The numbers aren't spectacular. But remember, they were Mike Troutless for six weeks. Mike Trout, of course, the best player in baseball offensively. I don't think there's too much of a question about that this year. I mean, you can even look at the numbers. I mean, there's some other guys with better numbers, but... Not Well, not really, considering the amount of games Trout has played. maybe Cumulatively, maybe there's some guys with better numbers, but not when you look at the games played and stuff. He's having what would be a career year for him. Pujols is scary, scaringly approaching Gordon and Escobar with the OPS and some of his metrics. But, I mean, Andrelton Simmons having a career year. They've got Cameron Maven back anchoring the top of that lineup. Cole Calhoun always a home run threat. I mean, it's a decent top-to-bottom ball club. Parker Bridwell is the best starting pitcher they have, so that's the one wart with them. It's a decent lineup, but the wart with the Angels is the starting pitching is very questionable. So there's their wart, and you keep going. Seattle loses two or three over the weekend to the you know Yankees, and they have some warts. They kept trading guys for different guys and trading more guys for different guys. That's an older ball club again, not too experienced in the postseason. Who am I forgetting? Tampa, who comes in and is falling behind. Baltimore's pretty much falling behind the Rangers. I mean, you just go through all of them. But again, I'm, I'm naming all these teams with prop, with warts. But here's the other issue. So the Royals are only two and a half out with 33 to go, right? But here's the other issue. There's too many damn teams. That's what, five or six teams that could still win the second wild card? Somebody is going to finish strong these last 33 games. So 20 wins probably ekes it out at 84, but it may take 22. It may take 22 and 11 and getting to 86 wins. If you get to 86, it's a guarantee you're going to make the, the postseason, right? But the Royals, if they want to guarantee it, let's just split the difference. The Royals have got to go twenty-one and twelve and get to eighty-five wins if they want to pretty much guarantee themselves. But a, a basement of twenty and thirteen. So that's the good news is they do have time. The bad news is they've got to play seven games over five hundred from here on out, and you have to wonder, will that happen? I don't know, guys. I am so bipolar with this team. I don't know what to do with them. Before the year, back in the day, they signed Travis Wood and Jason Hamill. I was on record as predicting the Royals to win the AL Central. I stuck with that through a tough April into mid-May and called it over in mid-May. Said they were still in the wild card hunt, but the division was over. All of a sudden, they rattle off the June and early July, and all of a sudden, you know, I basically said, well, the division's actually back in play again, and the wild card's looking really good, right? Then they go and make those moves, and I'm like, wow, they can win this division pretty easily. You know, I gave them at one point a 45% chance of winning the AL Central after the, the, the Milky Cabrera trade. Then they tank, then they come back, then they tank. I mean, after the Colorado series, I predicted the Royals were about to rattle off a big run, and then they go into Cleveland and get swept. I thought they'd go into Cleveland and win two this weekend with no Corey Kluber, no Salazar, Merritt, and Clevenger. And, you know, back then we had Duffy still going. So you had Hamill and Duffy going as, as part of these two games, and Vargas, you had the three best guys you had in your rotation going against no Kluber and no Salazar, but then of course Duffy goes down with the injury and we know what happened with the offense, needing Viagra. Can we never wear those ugly player jerseys again, by the way? I never want to see those again after this weekend. But I don't know. So getting back to the question, I don't know if the Royals can go 20-13. and I want to say they can't because I don't think they can, but you know damn well once I say that they're going to go right off two out of three against the race, and then go rattle off two out of three in Minnesota, and then all of a sudden there'll be a game and a half or a game out of the wild card, and you'll say, well, they're right there. I don't know. Gun to my head, no, I don't think this team's making the playoffs. Gun to my head, I think they're probably an 81 and 81 team, 82 and 80. I think that's probably where they're going to end up. They're they're probably going to be in it till about the last seven to ten games of the season, but I just don't see it quite happening they're limping to the finish line literally you can look at the pitching Danny Duffy sore elbow out for the foreseeable future they already lost him once and losing him a second time I don't you know Ventura rest in peace I miss that guy so much <laughs> he had a similar issue and only missed one start but the Royals are probably gonna wear the kid gloves with Duffy already having Tommy John a guy who's already been in the DL once this year And if things continue to fall apart the next week, by the time he's eligible to come back in September, if you're five, six games out of the wild card, do you really even want to pitch Duffy at that point? Do I think he'll pitch again this year? Probably, because I don't think the Royals are going to completely fall apart, but I would not rush him. Let's put it that way. But Duffy, sore elbow out for the foreseeable future. Trevor Cahill may never pitch another inning with the Royals. Who knows with that guy. Injured shoulder. Out for the foreseeable future. Joaquin Soria, it was good at the time he went out after blowing that four-run lead in Oakland in the eighth inning. I'm still ticked off about that. we would be a game and a half out of the wild card right now and still at 500. had he not blown a four-run lead in the eighth inning at Oakland. I don't want to talk about it. He's out for a couple of weeks. Probably doesn't really matter at this point. The bullpen's all been bad, and I don't want him rushed back if he's not well, mentally or physically. Calvin Herrera looked better today. That was a little bit of good news. Did give up two hits, but did throw a scoreless frame at two Ks. Velo is back 97-98 a couple of times. But, of course, he's been disappointing all season. You have to wonder injury concerns there. And I go back to what I said about six, seven weeks ago, and I was made fun of on social media. I said, if Herrera continues to struggle with injury concern, would the Royals consider non-tendering him next year? And I think that's still a legit question. If they think he's hurt, he's you only get him for one more year. Do you want to pay that guy what it's going to take to keep him? I'm not even sure what it would be. I haven't even looked at the numbers. I'm guessing, is it 10 mil? Is that what it would be probably to keep Herrera? 9 mil? Something like that, his last year? Considering his track record and what he's put up even this year, it's a guy with an ERA north of four with injury concerns. It's something to think about. If he's injured, as the Royals might think or know, with all the innings he's put up and he's already had the the arm surgery before he came up to the big leagues, he was a starter back in the day. So you have to wonder, is Herrera back next year if he's going to cost all that money and if the Royals decide to go full rebuild, do you need an injury-prone closer for one more year if you're not going to compete next year? Is it almost better to save that payroll and and really, you know, hypothetically put, put away money for a year or two and then go for it again in three or four years? I don't know. Offensively, I'd be shocked if Salvi finishes out the year. He's clearly not swinging some of the time because it hurts so much. Case in point, Saturday night, it was obvious. He was taking pitches, fastballs down the middle he would normally swing at because you could tell it hurt so damn much. He was hoping to walk. There was a 3-2 fastball down the middle. There's no chance in hell he ever spits on that if he's healthy. I'm sure you noticed it if you're watching the game. Salvi, his entire offense is different. He did look back, look better a little bit uh, towards the end of last night swinging, which was a good sign. Didn't wince quite as much, but Friday of the wincing continued, you know, I, I'm not even sure if he'll finish out this year. If the Royals end up being out of this thing, I would think the last 10 days of the season, you shut him down at some point. I'm not sure Salvi will finish, though, and if he does, how effective he'll be. You got Moose who can hardly walk. He's going to have to get that home run record here pretty soon. It isn't in a home run forever, but he's DHing now. Which you may laugh, but it takes Moss out of the lineup. You can almost use Moss out there. You're gonna have to get him in the lineup. Moss has to be back in the lineup. I never thought the day would come where I'm saying Moss has to be in the lineup, but they're gonna have to get his bat back in the lineup the next few days. I mean, he did score the last run for him, right? So there's just lack of depth, you know. Now that you've, and that's true with anybody. I mean, let's not forget the Royals coming into the season, third best pitcher is deceased. I mean, that's a huge loss. I mean. That's hard to pick up. I mean, if Ventura's healthy this year, I don't like to say what if about that, but that you, you lost 13 to 15 wins, you know, potentially. Now, I'm not saying this for his stats, but I'm saying games he pitched. Okay, maybe the difference wouldn't be that much. If you take out somebody who started this year like Hamill, who wouldn't have? You know, maybe it wouldn't have been that big of a difference because Hamill's actually ended up being pretty decent, but that probably cost the Royals four or five wins. They would not have signed Jason Hamill with Ventura back. So we'll say four or five wins you probably lost between Ventura and Hamill with how bad he was early and some of the other guys. But, I mean, you look at that and you look at – there's just no depth in the pitching now. You had Luke Farrell start a game earlier this year who loved the kid to death, but he's got double-A or triple-A stuff. He's pitching on brains and location – the same thing can probably be said of Eric Scoglin. He's not ready at this point, obviously. Everything's up, up, up. The stuff's not there. The Velo is not there to get away with that. You're running Eric Skoglund out to start games. You've got Onelki Garcia essentially starting a game. Farrell, and you go on and on. You dealt Strom. He's hurt. He, he's gone. I mean, who do you have left at this point? The best news for this team is that it can expand the rosters on Friday. I've been thinking about this quite a bit. There's been a couple of games... In the last homestand, one of them the Royals came back and won, one of them they didn't, but they were down by a runner tied in the ninth, and it would have been so nice to have Terrence Gore there at first base and nobody out. Terrence Gore is coming back on Friday. That's actually really good news. The Royals only have three more games until they can get on Friday to expand their roster. Having Gore could mean one win in September, without a doubt. In a tied game or a down one type game, he could easily get you a win. So much so that I would actually almost make the move now. Because you're out of time. You have to start winning games. The Royals almost have to win every series from here on out to make the postseason. 21-12, and you've got to win just about every damn series with a couple of sweeps in there. It's time. You You almost want to just bring up Gore and have him for these next three games. It could be really close against Tampa. We'll talk about that series here in a second. Is it worth bringing him up now? Maybe. The Royals never pinch hit. You can send one of the pitchers down. You only have three games left before you can bring back more pitchers. I'm sure Onuki Garcia, well, I'm not sure, but I would think he's DFA'd. Maybe Brian Flynn comes back, and I'm sure Scoglin will be sent down. I mean, you could you could easily bring up Terrence Gore the next three games with Scoglin's spot, right? Because that spot in the rotation doesn't come up again until next weekend, and you can skip that spot because of the off day. You don't need the extra pitcher right now. You send Garcia down, bring back Flynn, or DFA Garcia, bring back Flynn. Skin Scoglin down, bring up Gore? I want Gore back on this roster starting on Tuesday. But you get him back, and then... The pitching, I mean, what do you do with that spot in the rotation now that Scoglin's in? You can skip it once this next time. But that's going to have to make about four or five more starts. Do you, have, do you just have bullpen days those four or five times? I don't know. Do they go out and get somebody before Friday? You know, somebody off the literal scrap heap? I don't know. They need arms, though. I mean, even Mike Miner, who's been reliable, had an ERA over four in the month of August. We're not sure what you're going to get out of Herrera or if he's hurt. You don't have Soria anymore. Moylan has started like, the last few outings getting hit a little bit by some of the right-handers. Rotation-wise, Ian Kennedy got off of August. Vargas below average in August. Duffy's out. Junis is iffy when facing good offenses. Jason Hamill, the current best starter, and Jason Hamill on the Cleveland Indians is probably a number five starter. Maybe. I mean, yeah, he is, but barely. I mean, that, That's that's the point, you know? Even on, a, on an average... American League team, Hamill's a four or five. So that's not a good sign when he's your best pitcher. That that means the Royals are in a world of hurt when Duffy's not. You know, you you had to have Duffy, Kennedy, and Vargas. At least Duffy... And Kennedy had to be better than Hamill. Hamill and Vargas could be the same thing as a 3-4 type pitcher. But you had to have Duffy and Kennedy anchoring this rotation this year, and it just hasn't happened. Duffy's been hurt, and when he has been in there, he's really only had about a handful of games that you really thought he looked like a legitimate top-of-the-rotation type starter. He's been more of a number three, number four this year. So we'll see what happens. You know, I don't I don't have a great answer with the Royals too with the pitching. I guess now it's just get like as many arms up here as you possibly can. So, the Royals, two and a half out of the wild card. One more thing before we look at the Tampa matchups. You still have seven games against the Twins coming up. That's good news. Still have six against the Tigers, six against the White Sox. So, there's 12 games. You're going to have to win eight of those 12 games, right? To get to your 21 wins, you're going to have to get at least eight of those 12. Maybe nine. I mean, you're playing the Tigers and White Sox. Two of the worst six teams in all of baseball. You've got to win eight of those 12 or nine of the 12. So, there's eight or nine of your... 21 wins right there, or 20 wins. Then you got seven against the Twins. You're going to have to get four or five of those. That gets you to 12 or 13 wins. Now you've only got to get eight more wins. So the schedule does say it's doable. You also have three with a fairly weak Toronto team. You could take two there. It's still doable because the Royals only have one game against the Yankees and three against Cleveland left. Those are really the only series. The Diamondbacks will be tough the last weekend, but who knows if either team will have anything to play for or if only one will. It's very likely the Diamondbacks will have a wild card long wrapped up by the last weekend of the year and the way the Rockies have been playing, although they did take two out of three this weekend, I believe, in Atlanta. But it's very possible they could even have the first wild card wrapped up. So there's a good chance you get the Diamondbacks' B team one or two of those three games. So you look at it, the Royals outside of the game against the Yankees and three against Cleveland, you like your chances most of the other series. Now Tampa comes in for three. Let's look at it. Austin Pruitt, who has appeared... And I believe 17 games this year. He'll be just his eighth start, though. Made seven starts so far this year for the Blue Jays or for the the Rays has not been good. Austin Pruitt, a right hander, kind of a sinker ball type. Six and four with a five-seven six ERA. Now Pruitt's not good. He's got a one-five-two whip. So wait him out. Not only because he's not going to go that deep in a game. He's a converted reliever, a journeyman type, but also. You should be able to draw some base on balls in this one and get some hittable fastballs by waiting. So a 1-5-2 whip. I'd like to see the Royals wait this guy out, be selective a bit. He's also given up 10 round trippers in just 65 and two thirds. So a guy that will give up some home runs. You get a couple walks and hit a jack tomorrow night. Get some fastballs, set some gaps back when you're at home. You could do some good things. Ian Kennedy has to be good tomorrow night. There's, it's it's go time. He's four and nine with the four, 5.09 ERA and he wins. A game at Kauffman Stadium about as often as a total eclipse comes around. Not often. Royals have to win game one. There's no excuse after getting swept by Cleveland losing four in a row, after not scoring for 37,000 innings in a row. There's no excuse for Ian Kennedy with his contract and what he's expected to be to not beat Austin Pruitt at home. Royals win tomorrow night. They get it done something like 5-4, to 6-4. to four. Tampa Bay, by the way, I didn't go over too much of their their team. We did see them once earlier this year. We previewed them back then. The Royals won that series out there in Tampa. A team that strikes at a boatload, but also it's a boatload of home runs. They've got a really good lineup. They really do. It's not going to be an easy lineup for Kennedy to, to go through, and there are a lot of home runs there. That's why I say they'll probably score at least four or five runs tomorrow. I mean, you're, Kennedy's going to give up a home run or two. If he's doing well, if he's bad, it could be four when you've got guys like Kiermaier and Longoria and um, Logan Morrison, the KC kid, uh, Steven Sousa Jr. On and on. Tim Beckham's been acquired. It's a scary lineup top to bottom there. Even Wilson Ramos there in the bottom third of the lineup. It's a good lineup. So I think the Royals will get it done in game one. Game two, I think the Rays take. You've got Alex Cobb and Jake Junis. Uh, Junis is... Not quite ready, probably, to be in the rotation, but a nice story. He's had a good year. You have to like what you've seen for the most part. Five and two with the four six eight. Alex Cobb, though nine and nine, a three six nine, a very good starting pitcher. The Royals have seen him quite a bit. Have never done too well against him. I do like Tampa in game two. Game three is a toss up. It's the rubber game, and and I don't know what to say. I'll give the Royals a slight edge, but Jake Odorizzi, of course, we know all about him. Six and seven, a four eight two for the right-hander takes on Jason Vargas, fourteen and eight with the three seven two. Uh, I like the Royals in this one to get two out of three, but I would not be surprised if they lose two out of three. I think the first game goes our way. If the Royals do lose game one of the series, we're in big big trouble. You're not going to win this series if you lose game one. There's no way in heck they're going to be able to beat both Cobb and Odrissey with Judas and Vargas going against you know a, a team that can hit the long ball. They got to win game one. After that, the next 12 are against the AL Central. You've got Minnesota, you've got Detroit, and you've got Chicago. So that's where we're at. We don't know too much more than when we started, but hopefully you listening and me talking, it's been nice therapy for all parties involved. And we'll talk to you again soon right here on Clubhouse Conversation. Remember, you can all subscribe on iTunes through our website right here by clicking on a little subscription thing, and it'll be downloaded right into your iTunes. Each time there's an episode of your dish or an interview, we will get back to the former player interviews this winter. Right here on Clubhouse Conversation. Tons of them. Hundreds of them. Literally, I like think 110 former Royal interviews here on the website at clubhouseconversation.com and on iTunes. About 70 current players on here as well. Many of which that were talked to when they were in the minor leagues that are now in the majors. Wit we talked to a few years ago. Bonifacio we talked to a few years ago. Scoglin we talked to the day after he signed. Strom on and on. I mean, you can go on and on and on. Alex Gordon multiple interviews with here. Kyle Zimmer. Uh, so plenty of interviews with current guys, many of which are now moving their way to the upper levels of the system. Kevin McCarthy we've spoken with. you know, On and on. So check those out here on current player interviews, the former player interviews, lots of them as well. You can always follow us on Twitter, at Royals Clubhouse, and on Facebook as well, Clubhouse Conversation. We'll talk to you again soon. Go Royals!